right, good morning. Good morning, Christ Church. I feel so honored to be here and have this um, just chance to share with you this morning. Uh, we are on week four of our series, Stop Trying and Start Training. And I'll tell you, the first time I heard that, I was like, excuse me, training is not a bad thing. But it started to click, like training. You train for an instrument and you train for a marathon or you train for a eating contest. I don't know. Um, but it's important to train, and we have to train our souls and train our minds. And uh, we've had some good words shared on prayer and simplicity and silence and solitude. Well, today I have the very uh, light topic of surrender. I promise I won't make it too painful. Um, but I truly feel we find our peace when we surrender our will to God's will. So before we dive into it, um, please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we love you. I am so thankful for this opportunity and this church family to have this chance to gather, to come together, to start training our hearts, training our minds to be more like you. Help us to just hear and receive whatever it is that we need to hear and receive this morning. Um, it's just so special to get to know you personally, to grow in our relationship with you. I pray that you be with me in the words this morning. Help me to deliver whatever it is that anyone in this room needs to hear, God. Um, I can't do it without you. I have to surrender it to you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start with a little story about a girl in the 80s. This was me. Picture like pink corduroys and a Care Bear shirt. Um, probably around eight years old, I came into my kitchen, and my parents were sitting at the, the dinner table, and I see this big bag of hamster bedding. And I'm talking like tractor supply store, hamster bedding. We don't go to Walmart for our hamster bedding. And this girl saw it, and I got concerned. I was like, oh, the hamster bedding, it's in trouble. And I get down on my hands and knees, and I'm giving this hamster bedding CPR. I'm going to revive this bag of sawdust. And I do, and I revive it, and it's alive, and it's breathing. And the reason I share that silly story is, since the time I was a young girl, I knew I was going to be a nurse. I was going to help people. I was going to care for them in the hospitals and do whatever it was they needed to have done. And I worked hard for this. Through high school, I shadowed nurses. What are you going to major in college? A nurse. Like, it never wavered, never doubted. This is my life plan. And I was successful. I got my nursing degree. I passed my state boards. I get my first job. I marry a wonderful man. Hey, honey, online. <laughs> um, he'll be here second service. And we have three kids, and things are going well. I'm really enjoying this career that I have chosen and I have worked hard for. And as I'm growing into adulthood, I'm realizing what is missing from the story. Nowhere in the story did I ever say, God, what's your plan for me? I'm sure I prayed, help me pass this exam, help me get this job. But nowhere in my heart was it ever, is this your will? Is this what you have in store for me and the reason you've placed me here on this earth? Well, fast forward to the year everything turned upside down, 2020. Uh, I'm on a jog and listening to a podcast because I became a podcast addict <laughs> during that season. What else is there to do? And do you ever have those moments when something just strikes you and you don't forget when and where you were when it struck you? And I'm on this podcast listening, and I... I, I so distinctly remember I'm between Crescent and Case Road, jogging on Moon, listening to this podcast, and the author of the podcast, he starts saying things about homeschooling. And, and 
it just kind of hit me, and I was like, ooh, this is not my plan. Like, why is this, like, really resonating with me right now, this idea of homeschooling? My baby is about to go to kindergarten. I want to have my house to myself. I want to sit and clean the whole house and sit on my couch and just enjoy the quiet and know that nothing is going to be moved. Like, this is my plan. And so I quickly stuff it. I'm like, uh uh-uh, can't do that. That's not happening. It's not in my plan. Well, the year continues, and there's this real unrest. Talking to my husband, something in the rhythm of our family just needs to shift. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to get the shift, but I just feel like we need something to change. And meanwhile, this whole time, homeschooling, come on, get it. it. It's there. It won't go away. So I decide, let me open up this idea. I bring it to my life group. It's so important to have some friends who can, like, stand behind you and help you pray and discern and know if this is the right path. So I have them praying. You know, hey, ladies, I think I'm supposed to homeschool my kids. Like, this is wildly uncomfortable for me. But fast forward, I decide to do it. But, but from the decision to implementing it is about a year because the girl's got a plan. You know, so I've, I've done it. I was like, okay, I'm going to homeschool. We're planning. How am I going to be a nurse in homeschool? Hmm, this is getting in the way. This is getting in the way of some of my plans. Then I start having unrest in my career. And it's not coincidental, church. God, he starts, when you open your heart to him, he starts to just reveal to you areas of your life you may need to let go of. And so I I was like, I have to let go of nursing in this season. I was going to retire. I was going to be a travel nurse and go to those warm states where my husband's an artist and he's going to have an easel and making beautiful art. Like, this is my plan. Why is this not working? I mean, (laughs) I have a plan. So I, I decide, you know, come summer, I quit my job that I had been with for 16 years, and I was confident. I was a good nurse, like not to toot my own horn. But, you know, like when you know your skill, you know your craft, you're confident in it. And I'm about to just say, not right now, and homeschool the kids. And, you know, you hear the, oh, you're not a teacher, you can't, all the things. But we get to the season. We start homeschooling last year. This is my second year homeschooling now. And I'm like, okay, God, I did it. I surrendered, and I did your plan. And he's like, oh, wait, I've got more. Okay, God, you got more. Um, so the church could use a little, you know, maybe a, a kid's ministry director. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> you, you want me to work at a church? Like, really? And I pray and I pray and I'm like, and I, I hear it's so undeniably, yes, there are things for you to do in this, in this church, this church family. So I agree to come on staff here as of February as the kid's ministry director. And um, so I'm good still, right? Like, I, I've, I've done what God has asked. So in February, I take the job. Come April, I get invited to this class called Biblical Preaching. I'm like, well, my, okay, I'll, I'll go see if Chet preaches on point. Like, <laughs> I'll go to this class and see if he's, like, if he's doing what he's supposed to do in preaching. Sure, that sounds great. And as I'm sitting through this once a month um, class and learning about preaching, You know, like those thoughts? No, 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 no. Because I'm good at like, no, I'm not going to homeschool. No, I don't need to take that job. No, I'm good at passing it along. Uh, but it keeps coming, and it keeps coming, and we're having conversations. And I see like Chet's about to have this baby, and he needs some time with his family. So I think, oh, okay, God. If this is something you want me to do, you have to make it so abundantly clear. Because I will do everything in my power to run and hide and not do it, right? 
so I decide, okay, I'm going to text and just figure out what's, what's the topic for the week she's out. And I text, and then I delete it. And then I text, I delete it. And finally, I get the nerve to send. What are the topics that need preached on when you're out? And it comes back, the providence of God and joy. And I was like, oh, well, I don't really feel like that's something. So I feel like I'm off the hook. I'm in the clear. I don't have to do this. And I decide, have you ever started talking about something you think you don't have to do so you can talk about it? Well, that's what I did. And I was like, I'm not going to have to do this. So I talked to my husband on a Tuesday night. Hey, Dave, can you picture me preaching one time? And I'm fully expecting to say, you've done so many new things. You don't need to do that. Um, do you think that's what he said? No. He affirmed it. And he said, I think you could. I was like, oh, yeah, really? All right. Well, I think if I was going to share on anything, I really feel like on my heart, I would want to share about surrender and giving up control. And I feel safe saying that. Well, I come into work on Wednesday, and my girl Tina, hey, Jackie, the leadership, you know, they got together, and we changed the sermon series. I'm like, oh, did ya? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be based on Charles Swindoll's book, So You Want to Be More Like Christ. Do you want to hear the topics? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. What are they? And she's like, intimacy, simplicity, silence and solitude, surrender. Church, I'm in now. Like, <laughs> I have to do this now. So this is like my journey, and I just wanted to share with you um, how God can work, and I want to dive into this topic of what surrender is, what it can look like. And I want to start with, what is this word surrender? And I'm going to read from Webster's Dictionary the definition of surrender. And it says, to yield to the power, control, or possession of another upon compulsion or demand. Hmm. To give up completely or agree to forego, especially in favor of another. Huh. To give oneself up into the power of another, especially as a prisoner. <laughs> this sounds awful. To give oneself over to something such as an influence. So this is the world's view of surrender. This is pop culture. This is what's being told to us about surrender. Um, in preparing for this, I was watching uh, The Wizard of Oz. And just, you remember the scene in the, she's in the clouds with her broom and writing, surrender Dorothy in black clouds. And the response is Dorothy trembling and the Emerald City all like fear and terror. And that's what is sold to us. That is what surrender is. And I want to invite each and every one of us to open our minds, open our hearts to have a different perspective. What is surrendering to God like? Is he wanting us to surrender quaking in our boots and fearful? No. So I had to keep going to my Google Dive, and I found this beautiful website called Gentle Christian Parenting. I was like, ooh, I could use some gentle Christian parenting. I like this. What does it have to say? And it says, to spiritually surrender means to let go of control and trust God. Trust. We surrender not for fear or threat, but in hope that the one to whom we surrender has a better life for us like better than we can plan, and that hope doesn't disappoint. I can get on board with this surrender. This surrender sounds refreshing. It sounds like taking off a weight. Let me trust you, God, because your plan is better than mine, and it is. And he'll take you through it, and he won't leave you, and he's by your side in it. So when you hear these little pangs or these little thoughts, and you're trying to shove them and shove them, just I invite you to think about what is it, why, why is this continually popping back in my mind? 
And is this something I need to let go? Is this something that God is trying to reveal to me? Um, the text for today is Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I love it. This text starts with the word, therefore. We're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. The therefore is referring to chapter 11 right before here. And it gives a beautiful barrage, what's the word, lots of things, <laughs> of people that have surrendered. And I want to kind of bring to the front, forefront a few of them and the journey in the Bible in the Old Testament of what they went through. And the first one I want to bring up is Noah. Noah is asked to build this giant boat in the middle of nowhere that doesn't need boats. There's not a lot of water. And it's going to be a long process. How do you think Noah looked to all his neighbors and his friends, even his wife, perhaps? Um, a little pricey. But he had to, in order to fulfill God's will and God's plan, surrender his ego. Surrender what people think of him to follow what God's calling him to do. And if he hadn't done that, God would have called on someone else, but he would have missed what God's plans are for his life. Another example is Abraham. Abraham, hey, pack up and go. Where? Okay, God, sure. Where are we going? Just, just, just go. Excuse me? Do I have a GPS or a map or coordinates, please? No, no, just, just pack up and go and trust that I have a plan for you. So he's ha he has to surrender security. He has to surrender knowing what's tomorrow, which I sure like to know. Another example is Sarah. Sarah, her response is uh, laughter. She's told in an advanced age she's going to have a baby. And she literally laughs at one point in time, doubts, and doesn't believe this can come to fruition. But in the, and, and at one point, she takes the whole story into her own hands, and that turns real ugly. If you want to go see some drama in the Old Testament, read about Hagar. Hagar. And in the end, though, God fulfilled his promise. So there are some times where we have to surrender our doubts. We have to acknowledge and recognize God can be there for me. He can work in my life. It's so easy to say, he's doing awesome things in your life and awesome things in your life, but not for me. That's not going to happen for me. But Sarah had it come to fruition, even through her doubt and through her um, unbelief. Uh, the last example I want to give is Moses. I feel like Moses had a bit of a double whammy because he, at a young age, was taken into Pharaoh's whole, is it a palace? I don't know. But wherever Pharaoh lived, he's being raised. He's got the bougie lifestyle. He has all the good food, and he can bathe in the fine linens. And as he grows into adulthood, he starts recognizing there's some wrong things happening to my people. And he stands up for it, and he lashes out in anger, and he takes the life of a man. And after he's done this action without thinking about it and responding in anger, he has to flee. So he's now given up out of what he thought was right, fighting for, the, fighting for his people, and he took control and he did it his way and it wasn't the best way. 
and he has to um, flee. So he surrendered all that comfort and security in his upbringing, the family he knew for the family he's part of, you know, it was his heritage. So he's out in the wilderness for years, and then God's like, excuse me, I'm not done. It's time to come back. You want me to go back to that place that I kind of ditched them, that I kind of turned away and disrespected the people who raised me? You want me to go back and face them? Sure do. And the beautiful part of this story, too, is through his um, insecurity and not wanting to, God met him and did send him with his brother to support him. So he calls us to do hard things, but he meets you with what you need in that time. And he did this for Moses. So Moses had to surrender, um, you know, kind of similar with the ego and image and security and comfort. And so this passage starts out with, what do we need to surrender? The next portion gets into lay aside your weight. Lay aside anything that's heavy and a burden. And I started thinking about what is it in my life or your life or our life that we need to lay aside? The first thing that came to mind is any preconceived ideas. Have I ever gotten it wrong? Is there something that I've believed that isn't true? But it's what I believed and you don't know when you're being deceived. I think about the book of Hebrews being written for the Jewish people. The Jewish people for 2,000 years had this picture of who their Messiah was going to be. He was going to be strong and almighty and conquering. And then Jesus came. And he's not what they pictured. But Jesus did conquer. And he did save in a humble, beautiful, loving, caring way. And the Jews had to surrender any preconceived idea they had about who the Messiah is. What preconceived idea do I have that I need to let go of? I can ask God, please, can you show me? Show me whatever it is that I am off track on and help me get back on track with you. I can pray that prayer. The next thing I had, um, (laughs) I was going through this Bible study with a group of women. It's the lies women believe and the truth that sets them free. And men, I feel like this can be the lies men believe. I read a lot of women's books, but I think they apply to all. And in this book, it's by um, Nancy Lee DeMoss, I want to say. There was a chapter, and it talked about our rights. And in the rights, it was my right to be understood and how this can be a lie. And when I have the right for you to understand me, it causes division. It causes loving relationships to have tension. So I went back to this book thinking, this is going to be a whole chapter and I'm going to like really share. And I saw the right to be understood was like three words. It wasn't a whole chapter. It was God saying, hey, Jackie, lay down this weight. Stop worrying about the points to be proven. That's up to me. For you, You just need to love people, follow me, trust me. I've got you. I've got it. Some of the other lies, I do want to share them because I think they could resonate. And I want to encourage if any of these lies kind of give you a pang or make your hackles go up, pause on it. Why? Why is it making me respond that way? Is this something that I'm holding on to that's not healthy and I should let go? So the lies are today it is assumed that we have a right to be happy, to be understood, there's my word, respected, and loved. That's like, that's our right. You have to do that for me. 
We have a right to a certain standard of living, to an equitable wage and decent benefits. Like, I have a right to that. We have a right to companionship and romance. We have a right to be valued by our spouses. <laughs> this one makes me laugh. And appreciated by our children. <laughs> I love my children. I love my babies. I've got one entering her teenagers. So I'm learning. Um, that's not my right to be appreciated. I have a duty to love her unconditionally. We have a right to a good night's sleep. New newborn babies. The most important, if any of our rights are violated, we have a right to be angry. Remember, these are the lies. We have a right to be angry if any of this is violated. We have a right to rant on social media. <laughs> How often does that work for you? I know I've been won over some really big arguments on social media. Like, it, it doesn't work. We have a right to insist on our rights. Do you see how this, we're in a culture about our rights, and it's so opposite of how Christ wants us to live. There are, we do need to treat each other with respect, to treat each other in a loving way, but to demand others to meet you where you're at, it, it, it's not fruitful. Nothing good comes of that. So these are some lies, some things we have to let go and um, they're holding us back. They're weighing us down. Like they're saying, don't bring me down. I sing in my voice all the time. I sing in my head. Some other things that we have to let go, you know, our plans. Go back to my nursing story. Go back to, like, my plan to be a nurse and my plan to do this. We have to surrender that sometimes. Surrender our finances. I felt that going from a nurse to homeschool. You know, like, trust God. I was once told when I was in the journey of deciding this, hey, Jackie, it's not your money, it's his. Everything we have, everything we've been blessed with is from our Heavenly Father. So trust him. Trust him for provision. He's got us. Charles Swingall, I love how he says this in chapter 4, a big part of all of these and what we need to give up. He says, it's not so much a lack of trust in God as having such a love for my way as to miss his. We often fail to go God's way because we're so captivated by our own. And I, I feel that. In truth, at the core of such thinking is a four-letter word that resists all thought of surrender, and that's S-E-L-F, myself. In my ugliest moments with the ones I love, What's at the core of my reaction? What's at the core of my outburst, my temper tantrum to my children, um, me getting resentful to my husband, me getting frustrated with a coworker? It's when I am focused on me. I'm tired. I don't want to do this. My kids aren't cleaning up the house. They're not helping me. Like every outburst I have had at the core is when I am centered here. So how do we get outside of that? What do we do to surrender? And then verse 2 is when it gets good. So this is like the heavy. This is like letting go the weight, letting it go. So why? So we can run the race. The race that's been set before us. This is what we're to do. And what is the race? I think it's cycles in our life. It can be different season to season. I, my race is being a nurse. God said, no, there's something different in this season for you. And it's investing in the next generation. 
It started with wanting to homeschool my kids, and it's transitioned into our kids' ministry. I'm going to plug it. If you have a heart to help the kids, come see me. <laughs> I am babies through sixth grade. If you have a heart for teens, you see Xavier and Allura, wherever they are, <laughs> you go see them. Um, if it's something God's put on your heart, but it's not for everyone. Pray, ask God, what, what's the race you've set before me? Most of these races are going to put us out of our comfort zone. But part of it should excite you. Part of it should, like, get your wheels turning. Get the motor running. All right. Head out on the highway. Okay. Let me circle back. So ask God, what is the race you have before me? This race is a race. Oh, whoop, that was loud. This race is a race that requires endurance. It requires grit. It's not going to happen overnight. So in the process, give yourself grace. This takes time. It's training. When you're training for something, it doesn't happen overnight. But so this race, it takes time. And we're going to do it, and we can do it with him. When we give ourselves up to him. And it just gets me excited. So when we're doing this race, verse 2 goes into looking to Christ, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him. I love that we have a race set before us, and he has a joy set before him. He sees the finish line. He sees the good. He sees the positive. And that's what we're to look to, not to ourselves, because in ourselves, we start going down the negative spirals of self-doubt or all the things. So he is the founder, the perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, endured, we're to run with endurance, and Christ has already endured. He endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That despising shame, church, that's a big word. Christ despises shame. If you don't hear anything else today, I really want you to hear any thoughts or feelings of shame. I could be a better spouse. I could be a better coworker. I'm no good at this. I'm not worthy of this. I messed up parenting. I, whatever it is, I can't give up this addiction. Any thoughts of shame are not from him. It is a lie to tear you down. And I want us to train ourselves when we have those thoughts, take them captive and throw them out because they are not from our Heavenly Father. A conviction, that's a churchy word, that is... <laughs> And to me, a conviction is kind of like um, a challenge. When I lose my temper, Jackie, love your children. Don't shame myself for losing my temper, but call upon God and help me the next time to love them better. Help me to love them like you do. Something that's challenging us to grow and challenging us to step out of our comfort zone, that's a healthy thing. Something that's tearing us down and causing shame, we need to let it go. These are those weights. These are those burdens. We just need to cast them aside. And I love the part that he is seated at the right hand of God. He has already won. He is victorious. And through all of this journey, he looked to the joy set before him. He did not look to himself. What rights did Jesus have to surrender? He had to surrender his right to be understood. He had to face the cross. People didn't get it. People didn't get who he was. They didn't see him. And then instead of like 
stepping up and arguing and proving his point. He had to surrender that. He had to surrender comfort. He had to be on the road constantly to share his message. He gave this example of getting outside of himself and seeing the joy and the beauty that there is on the other side, which is connecting with those who are around us, serving God, not out of duty, but out of love and excitement. And I get it, this is good. So how do we look to him? How do we hear from him? How do we see him? And I think this, this journey that we're going on this sermon series with prayer, I thought, it's so simple to pray. I remember going through a period in my life in my 20s when I was just angry. I was mad. We were trying to have a child, and it wasn't working out. And my mom said, Jackie, God can handle your anger. Go to him with it. He knows. He wants you to give it to him. And I did. I said, God, I'm mad. And it was such a moment for me to break down my walls I had between me and my Heavenly Father. Go to him in prayer. And go to him in prayer in the good things. Thank you, God, for this cloudy day so we know to appreciate the sunny days. You know, like, thank you, God. Pray to him in all things. Because that gets my mind set off me. It gets my mind seeing him. And he sees the good. Another example is reading his word. And it can be little. But I encourage, do a little bit every day. If you're not getting it, phone a friend. It's so important not to do this alone. A while back, a group of girlfriends, Aubrey included, challenged us to read the book of Hebrews, which ironically I'm preaching out of. When we read it, church, I was lost. I was like, I don't get it. But we had a group that was sharing my take-home and my take-home, and it helped me. It helped me to get it. Because sometimes we need to phone a friend. We need to ask for help to hear from God. It, It doesn't have to be a journey isolated. We're not meant to do it alone. Another way is the silence and solitude. That one for me is uncomfortable. (laughs) Have you ever felt restless, had a restless night? You're tossing and turning. You can't sleep. I've been having more lately, and I'm realizing I'm not making time for silence and solitude with God, and I truly think he's waking me up to have that time. So there's one specific night. I could not rest. It was around 2 a.m. I get up, and I get out of bed and I go into my closet. My husband said, I need to make sure you know our closet has a window and a chair. <laughs> He's like, people are going to think you're in this little tiny dungeon thing. <laughs> so I'm in my closet. It's around 2 a.m. And I pull up this Bible study book I've been going through and I open it. And I start boo and the ugly cry. I just can't find peace. I can't find rest. And it's helping, but then it's not helping. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to open the Bible and I'm going to open the Bible. And I'm trying to like receive, 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 read, read, read. What is it, God? What is it, God? And I'm just trying to input and input and input and input. I'm not just being. So I was so squirming in my skin. I just had to literally physically drop to my knees in my closet. And I'm just crying. I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. And I was just quiet. Help. And he spoke to me, not audibly, but in my heart. And he showed me what I need to let go of, what I need to let go of, to move forward with him, what I need to surrender. In church, when I felt it, when I heard it, and I said, okay, God, a blanket of peace. It was that peace in Philippians that surpasses all understanding. just came over me. And I thought that day I was going to be, like, exhausted because I didn't sleep at all. I wasn't. 
I made that phone call in the morning of that commitment I needed to let go of and that season that needed to pass to move forward to the next one with God when he had said, Jackie, it's time for a different road. It's time for you to move this way with me. (laughs) I was preaching. I didn't know that. But that peace was over me all day. So I just encourage, try to have the quiet moments with God. And he will meet you in them. He's not going to forsake you or leave you. He will be there in them. And it's going to be different for everyone. There's going to be silent moments where there's not much that happens. And that's normal. But there's also silent moments where you do. You do connect with him. He reveals his character to you. Like in the Bible when we're reading, look for God's character. Don't read the Bible saying, what am I supposed to do? How is this supposed to help me? Read it asking, what's he revealing about himself that I didn't know? And it's just a special way to look at it, and you start to see the heart of God. You start to see his strength and his love, his healthy judgment and his mercy. He shows it through the whole thing, and it's just awesome. So just start with a little bit. Go to the book of Psalms. It's very nice. If you're a rule follower, go to Proverbs. A lot of rules, (laughs) but in a good way. Um, Do Psalms. Do Psalms. So we've run this race. We're letting go. We're looking to God. Verse 3 gets into considering him. Consider him, which is like, think about him. Don't just like, yes, I love you, God. Think about him. Dwell on him. Consider him who endured. There's that word endured again. He's already endured the race that we are to run with endurance. And he endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Why? Why did he do this? So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Church, if we focus on S-E-L-F all the time, every day, we are going to be tired. We are going to be weary. We need to look to him because he has given, he has laid this map for us to follow him and lean on him and help have him carry us through to run this race with endurance, to lean into his strength. This process can be uncomfortable starting it, but on the other side, it's something special. It's something to be shared. It's something to bring to your friends and your family and your loved ones. I want to share with you that little prayer when I was in the closet <laughs> crying. It was out of the Lisa Turkhurst book, and this is another women's one, but I, I promise it applies to men too. But it says, what happens when women say yes to God? And the prayer says, God, I love you and choose to accept the assignments you place before me with an attitude that reflects the truth that you live in me. I know I won't do this perfectly, amen. And I admit my inability to do this in my strength. Oh, I say yes to you today. I say yes to your desire to invade my natural flesh responses, which is me, my natural response. I say yes to your forgiveness when I mess up, because I will. I say yes to persevering even when I want to give up. I say yes to your invitation to be obedient even when other paths seem more appealing. I say yes even when my lips desire to utter a thousand times over, I can't. I can't. Then that Philippians 4.13 comes in. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. All things that he is calling me to do 
with him, I can. I say yes to loving you more day to day. God is a kind God. Through this journey of surrender and actually in this sermon prep, I realized I was asked to surrender being a nurse, but God didn't ask me to surrender who he made me to be. He asked me to transition, caring for people in a hospital and caring for people's physical bodies to go in a place of caring for souls. And it hit me, church. He's not asking us to change who he made us to be. He's asking us to step up and do what he has created us to do. And every single one of us is going to look different because we need different talents. The body. We're all the body. And I am so grateful to be part of this body and this church. And I just want to invite each and every one of us to start this week. God, what weights do I need to lay down? What do I need to let go of in order to run this race you have set ahead of me? Because I want to for you. Because I love you. And with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful to you for setting the example, for showing us that this race can be ran, that it can be ran with you, looking to you for the joy that you see. Help us to trust you. Help us in the next few weeks as we go through this sermon series to recognize whatever area that we may need to train in and to not feel shame in it, but to feel motivated by it, to get excited for growth, to become healthier, to have a healthy mind, to have a healthy soul in order to do what you've placed each and every one of us here on this earth to do. We cannot do this alone. I just pray that it will continue to speak to each and every one of us, and I thank you for the opportunity to share. I thank you for the opportunity to gather together today. And I pray that as we just close in this worship song, that you will show us what is it in our lives that we do need to let go of in order to serve you better. I ask all of this in Jesus' name.